Mino Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. It's Thanksgiving Day, friends, and I hope you're having an amazing Thanksgiving surrounded by friends and family. For me and my family, we took a road trip to a cabin in Gatlinburg to hang out together for family and friends Thanksgiving with a mountain view. It's so relaxing and so refreshing. We all just needed this break. But just because we're away doesn't mean we skimped on the food. Nope, we packed up and brought pots and everything we needed to cook with us. We're having gumbo and turkey and cornbread dressing and crab mac and cheese and greens. And of course, our spread of desserts. So what are you all having for Thanksgiving dinner? And of course, most importantly, do you bake cornbread dressing or stuffing? And is there a difference? Now, I think that there's a difference. Now, some people don't think there's a difference. So we'll have to put a poll up who makes stuffing and who makes cornbread dressing. Well, either way, I'm having cornbread dressing. Y'all let me know what y'all have. Well, this week, we're going to chat about molar pregnancies. Yep, we're going to switch gears for a second. Now, many of you probably haven't heard about this type of pregnancy because it's kind of rare But since it can happen and y'all have asked questions about it, I thought I'd let you know about it this week. Now, a molar pregnancy is a rare condition which has cells that usually become the placenta, proliferate or just grow outrageously and consume the uterus. Now, this condition is not considered a normal pregnancy. There are two types of molar pregnancies. There's a partial molar pregnancy Now, in a partial mole, or some people call it an incomplete molar pregnancy, the placenta might have both regular and irregular tissue. So you have a great like cyst on the placenta, but there's also some normal areas. And there may also be a fetus or a baby. Now, that fetus is usually miscarried early in pregnancy. And usually the fetus or the baby has an abnormal appearance. This is caused by the patient's chromosomes being present along with two dads, two of dad's sets of chromosomes. So this leads to a total of 69 chromosomes as opposed to 46. Now, usually you get 23 chromosomes from mom and 23 from dad to make your total of 46. And depending on if you get an X from dad or a Y from dad will tell if it's a girl or a boy. Now this time, listen, you got a whole bunch from dad, okay? And a set from mom. So just too many chromosomes. This is not considered compatible with light, even if you have a fetus that looks somewhat normal. Now, a complete molar pregnancy is the second type of mole. So you have the incomplete mole, and now you got the complete molar pregnancy. Now, in a complete molar pregnancy, the maternal chromosomes are missing or not functional. Your egg was blank, not functional chromosomes. And the paternal ones, or the dad's chromosomes, are doubled. This is what causes the normal number of chromosomes, which is 46, but there's no 
baby present. It's just a big ball of cysts from outrageous control of the growth of those what's called trophoblastic cells, which are usually the cells that make up the placenta in the uterus. So people can think that they're pregnant. They have um, early positive pregnancy tests, but there's not anything in the uterus that resembles a baby Okay, with a complete mole. Complete, no baby, just a lot of tissue and cysts. Incomplete, you have a baby, which is sometimes can be confusing. Now, patients that are younger than age 15 or older than age 43 are at higher highest risk for having a molar pregnancy. The symptoms of a molar pregnancy tend to include dark, red, or brown vaginal bleeding early in pregnancy, sometimes with grape-like cystic structures that pass from the vagina. So using the bathroom, you see these like grape-like cysts that pass through. You don't have a whole bunch of bright red bleeding. It's just dark stuff. Uh, that is a, a common symptom. Okay. Some people have severe nausea and vomiting because your hormone level is so high. Some people have a lot of pelvic pressure and pain. Now, usually molar pregnancies are diagnosed very early in the first trimester because people do have all of these symptoms, uncontrolled nausea and vomiting, uh, a whole bunch of pain, this, you know, sort of weird vaginal bleeding. So that prompts us to do a workup, including an ultrasound, which is how it's usually um, evaluated and diagnosed. However, if it's not detected early, okay, it can also be associated with some other things. Thecalutein cysts, which are big cystic-like structures on each of the ovaries on both sides. Okay, they're enlarged, just big cysts on each of the ovaries. You can have hyperactive thyroid function. If your thyroid hormone is revved up, it almost acts like a thyroid storm. Okay, I think I've done an episode on thyroid storm. I have to go back and make sure. But thyroid storm cause everything to rev up. Remember, your thyroid controls your metabolism. So you can have shortness of breath, palpitations. You can have issues with sleeping. Your blood pressure is going to be revved up. Your heart rate is going to be revved up. And so because of that, you can have early onset of what we think is preeclampsia, which is when you have high blood pressure and vascular damage that we look for as uh, protein in your urine. Some people also have a uterus that's a little bit bigger than expected for gestational age. You're like, why is my uterus, you know, looking like it's 24 weeks when it's really only 20? Rapidly growing uterus is a sign of molar pregnancy. Now for treatment, molar pregnancies are treated pretty aggressively with a DNC. This is not the case where you can give somebody a little side attack and have them pass everything on their own. No, we need to do a DNC. Um, it's extremely important that we clear the uterus. And then after we clear the uterus, it's also extremely important that the hormone level or the beta HCG, that's your pregnancy hormone, is followed weekly. And we want to follow weekly to ensure that it goes down to zero. And then once it hits zero, we just don't stop there. We have to check it a couple more times to ensure that it stays zero. Now, a molar pregnancy that's not properly treated or undertreated, meaning you pass something, they say, oh, you had a miscarriage, go home, right? Undertreated, you can develop what's called persistent gestational trophoblastic neoplasia, which is abbreviated as GTN. This happens more often with complete molar pregnancies, meaning the one that didn't have the baby, as opposed to the incomplete ones, okay? And when we say persistent gestational trophoblastic neoplasia, it just means like your hormone level is still going up. You don't have all the trophoblastic tissue because it's adherent to the wall of the uterus. So you didn't get it all. Okay, so those people have to be treated with chemotherapy, okay? If it's not treated successfully with chemotherapy, 
then you have to get a hysterectomy. And I know that that is like an extreme, but it's something that happens, especially if you have trophoblastic tissue that you can't rid of, get rid of. Now, rarely, if you can't get rid of it, then gestational trophoblastic disease can develop into a cancer called choriocarcinoma. Choriocarcinoma can spread to other organs, can spread to the lungs, it can spread to the pelvis, it can spread to the liver. We want to make sure we get it before we have issues because if it spreads to those places, you'll become symptomatic in those places. I mean, people that end up having issues with their liver, with the liver enzymes going up, we look like, oh, what is this mass there? Okay. And those masks can be can grow rather quickly. You know, usually cancers take years and years and years. You know, choriocarcinoma is like you got undertreated last year and now we see this, you know, five centimeter mass in your lung. Okay. So rapidly growing tumor. Now, the good thing is that these choriocarcinomas that are from gestational trophoblastic neoplasia are really highly sensitive to um, chemotherapy regimens. So usually with GTN by itself, you're using one agent. So usually people put you on methotrexate. Now with choriocarcinoma that spread to other, other organs, they put you on a therapy called Emico, which is like a five drug regimen to treat this. So you go on, you know, a week of Emico, you may need, you know, radiation to whatever area that's affected. But for the most part, it is highly responsive to chemotherapy and or radiation therapy if needed. Okay. So it's not like one of those cancers that, you know, you get it like breast cancer and you have to be, you know, treat and treat and treat. No, choriocarcinoma, once you find it and treat it um, and you're treated, you use it cured. Okay. So that's the good thing about about this type of uh, cancer. All right. So now that we know a tad bit more about molar pregnancies, let's go to some cases. Our first case is a 42-year-old who is eight weeks pregnant with her first child. She has had vaginal spotting since finding out that she was pregnant, which she assumed was implantation spotting. She then assumed she had a miscarriage because she passed something that looked fatty. However, when doing the ultrasound, she was told that she had a lot of blood and the appearance of an enlarged placenta. There was a baby with a heartbeat present. But since her blood pressure was really high, she was told that it was recommended that she terminate. She refused and asked for a second opinion. You were consulted for that second opinion. Looking at this, this is definitely either they didn't tell you straight up the diagnosis or they missed it. Um, I do agree Anytime somebody has extremely high blood pressures that's refractory to antihypertensives, it doesn't matter if it's a molar pregnancy or if it's a normal pregnancy. If we can't get your blood pressure down, then we almost have to tell you that you have. it would be better for you to end the pregnancy, right? And I say that because we can't let you have a stroke. Your blood volume doubles in pregnancy. So some people that have underlying high blood pressure, when they get pregnant and the blood volume doubles, they can have issues with their heart function or they can have issues with exacerbation of uh, their high blood pressure just because the vessels can be hormonally sensitive to estrogen. Okay, so if you have uncontrolled blood pressure, one, you are at increased risk, even if you have a normal baby for miscarriage and two, you have an increased risk for having issues like stroke or heart attack. If you have elevated blood pressure, you have an increased risk of having a stroke or heart attack. And so we have to do things to try to get your blood pressure down. 
That may mean giving you medicines that aren't safe for pregnancy. That may mean terminating the pregnancy because we know you're going to have third spacing and fluid shifts to reduce your blood volume to then get your blood pressure down. And even if we don't tell you to terminate, it could mean a miscarriage because babies don't really live well that early in hypertensive crisis. Okay. But the fact that you pass something that looked like fatty stuff could have been these placental trophoblastic cystic like things that we were talking about earlier in the intro. And you've had vaginal bleeding. Remember implantation spotting happens around 10 to 12 days after, you know, you miss your cycle. It's not usually eight weeks out. So you've had some spotting, you've had something that looks fatty, and then they tell you that your placenta is enlarged. So this is to me probably a molar placenta. Now they may have assumed it's just a thick globular placenta if there once was a baby, pre- if there is a baby present, because nobody in their first brain is thinking, oh, this is a mole. They're thinking this is a regular uh, baby. Maybe she's had some bleeding. So maybe that's why her placenta is looking thick and globular. Maybe that's why. But for me, I'm thinking this is a molar pregnancy. This enlarged placenta is a molar placenta. You have a baby with a heartbeat. But the reason that your blood pressure is so high so early is because this is a molar pregnancy that's associated with a higher risk of having hypertensive disorders. Why? Because your ACG is sky high and it's revving up your thyroid function. Remember, the thyroid uh, subunit, the TSA subunit or the thyroid stimulating subunit and the beta ACG subunit, they have the same type of subunits, okay? So that's why beta ACG can also stimulate the thyroid, okay? And this is probably what's happening right now. So this to me is pretty classic for molar pregnancy. But before that, I would confirm with an HCG, I would want to know what your hormone level is now. If you know your hormone level at eight weeks is way beyond 100,000. So your hormone level, you know, 150,000, 200,000, 300,000 at eight weeks, that's high. That's too high. And so that to me, in addition to this weird looking placenta, in addition to your high blood pressure screams, that this is a molar pregnancy. And with a fetus present, it will be an incomplete mole. Now, mind you, I know people have issues with terminating, right? Because I'm in the state of Texas and there's a lot of things that we have to do to prove that somebody needs to terminate. Mind you, I grew up Catholic. My husband is a Baptist minister. Let me throw that out there. I am not in the business of terminating a pregnancy. But a molar pregnancy with a hypertensive crisis can be very dangerous and it can be life-threatening if left left untreated. In this event, because we know that molar pregnancies don't become normal babies, okay? They They don't have the right genetic makeup. So this is not terminating a baby. This is emptying and evacuating the uterus to get rid of the abnormal cells before they become something like cancer. So this is not considered terminating per se. It is considered evacuating the uterus because the baby will never be normal. So the case pearl because of that is molar pregnancies can cause early hypertensive disorders of pregnancy. The pregnancy should be terminated as soon as possible, particularly since molar pregnancies will never be normal babies. And let me say again, the word terminated is so sensitive that I want to make sure that we understand that 
we're not talking about ending a normal pregnancy or even ending a pregnancy that has structural malformations or even ending a pregnancy that's considered lethal. The genetic makeup of a norm of a molar pregnancy is not normal genetic makeups that is compatible with any life. Okay. I want to make sure I'm very clear about that. All these pregnancies eventually will end in miscarriage. It's just that, is it going to end in miscarriage if you let it go on and you have a stroke, a heart attack or something else bad happen, or are we going to handle this aggressively? All right, medical intern, let's go to our second case. Our second case is a 22 year old who has a positive pregnancy test. She had an ultrasound of her uterus and her uterus was empty. So her doctor assumed that it was too early for her to have ultrasound findings and scheduled for her to return in a few weeks. However, she started having a headache that wouldn't go away without Tylenol. On evaluation, her HCG was 1.5 million. On review of her history, she had had three miscarriages in the past two years, one of which was managed with a DNC. The other two were determined to be complete miscarriages. She was referred for evaluation of suspected ectopic pregnancy. A couple of things have happened here. One, anytime I have a 22-year-old that's had several miscarriages within two years, to me, it's a red flag. Like, are these new miscarriages or are your pregnancy tests positive and your uterus is just empty? Okay, so it's just the same miscarriage that's still showing up positive. In my head, if unless there is a fetus that's documented as past it could be the same miscarriage with the same hormones that are still being documented over time. Okay, so question says she had one miscarriage that was inadequately treated or does she have multiple? Okay, that's what I'm processing right now. And it says that one was handled with a DNC. That first one was probably the first pregnancy. She probably came in with vaginal bleeding. They either did or didn't see a baby. I don't know. But they did a DNC and somebody probably didn't follow up the pathology there to see that it was a molar pregnancy. I can't say that I can't, I haven't seen that before because I've seen it before. Okay. Either that or the patient didn't follow back up. Something happened to where proper follow-up wasn't done, right? To make sure the hormone level went to zero. So let's say the first pregnancy probably was a molar pregnancy. They emptied the uterus but they didn't make sure that everything was clear and they did not follow the hormone level down to zero because they didn't know the path. Either they didn't send the product the path or they didn't know the path return with a mole. Okay. Or the path may have been incorrectly read and they didn't call it a molar. Now what happens is over time, if you still have that HCG that's positive, that means that there is tissue still present somewhere. So she probably developed gestational trophoblastic disease which meant you still got some tissue somewhere, okay? And she probably still has some abnormal spotting, but you're doing an ultrasound now and you don't really see anything that looks like a gestational sac there. You probably see a thickness in the uterus, but you're like, ah, she's young. Everybody that's young has slightly thickened endometrial stripe. You know, the lining of the uterus is slightly thick, so not a big deal, but I don't see anything, but our ACG is 1.5 million. So she must have a pregnancy somewhere. So we're gonna send her for evaluation of ectopic. This happens, but 1.5 million is never normal. 500,000, never normal. 300,000, never normal, okay? Because your ACG level pretty much spikes around 10 to 11 weeks and then sort of levels off from there. So when you have hundreds of thousands of ACG, that's always, that is screaming, 
this is a molar pregnancy or some type of cancer until proven otherwise. And so with her having a headache that now won't go away with Tylenol, we've got to go and look for what's going on. I would still recommend doing an ultrasound or transvaginal to look at her uterus to make sure that this thickening wasn't like cystic-like structures, okay? I would also look at her ovaries on both sides to see if there are big cysts on the ovaries. Remember I said that gestational trophoblastic disease or basically persistent molar tissue is associated with thecalutein cysts, which are big, nasty cystic structures on both ovaries, okay? And then I would figure out what her symptoms. If she's having a cough, I'm going to scan her chest. If she's having abdominal pain, I'm going to scan her belly. If she's having a headache, I'm going to scan her head. And I have had a couple of cases with people that have had molar pregnancies and choriocarcinomas that have had five centimeter masses in their brains, eight centimeter masses in their brain. And young people, right? They just had a headache. It wouldn't go away. Just have a persistent headache. In this case, this is screaming that to me. So I would definitely recommend scanning her head, but I also would do a chest and abdomen scan as well because most of the time, before it's going to go to the brain, it's going to go somewhere else. And nine times out of 10 in this situation with the ACG of 1.5 million, somebody that's had a history of a miscarriage in the past with a headache now, I have to rule out choriocarcinoma or a cancer from the molar pregnancy in the brain. So she would need an MRI of the brain we would need to consult our oncologist, our GYN oncologist, to treat her. And like I said, once you have choriocarcinoma, that's usually treated with uh, Imico or a five chemotherapy regimen, or at least a multi-therapy regimen to treat this area. And sometimes for the cases I've been involved with, we've done whole brain radiation. I know you're thinking, oh my God, you radiate somebody and now they can't think. Their brain doesn't work. Y'all calm down. It doesn't work like that, okay? You can still function normally. You won't have too many side effects from radiation, but you gotta, you know, radiate any mass that's there. And then afterwards, they follow the hormone level down to zero over a number of weeks, even months. And then she would need more imaging to make sure that this mass is gone out of the brain. So this can happen and she would need this ruled out as soon as possible, okay? The case pearl for this case is an extremely high ACG level is concerning for gestational trophoblastic disease and should be ruled out in the setting of a miscarriage. And in this case, a carcinoma in the brain, since she has a headache, has to also be ruled out. All right, medical intern, do we have any emo cases? We do. This is a question that says, Dr. Plenty, a friend of mine was told that she had a molar pregnancy, confirmed by pathology, but she also had a normal baby. I thought that molar pregnancies aren't compatible with life. How could this happen? Okay, there are super rare case reports of people that have normal babies with a molar, okay? And I don't want you to think, oh, this incomplete mole, that fetus could be the normal baby. So there's hope. No, y'all. No. So what happens is because you are not living with just, you know, with too many cells or paternal cells only, uh, you know, chromosomes only. That's not it's can't it's not possible. OK, what has happened in these cases is that you had a twin pregnancy. One pregnancy was the mole and the other pregnancy was normal. And in that situation, you had dichorionic pregnancies. I mean, they had their own two separate genetic makeups. They had their own two separate placentas. 
And then you continue the pregnancy for the sake of that normal baby. Now, what happens? Why, you know, can, can that even happen, right? Now, most of the time, we would counsel people and tell them, hey, you have molar pregnancy. We still got to deliver you, right? Because you got a molar that's going to cause you to have hypertensive crisis and things like that. But it's a patient's choice, right? The patient has to understand the risk. And most of the time, when you do have these twin pregnancies, with one of them being normal and one being a molar pregnancy, what happens is it's very lately diagnosed, right? So you have a baby that's already almost viable and you have a mom that wants to save that baby. So what do we do? We try to get them further into the pregnancy and then deliver them. Now, there was one case I had when I was in training, in residency actually, a long time ago, where a patient had a twin that was a molar and she ended up having choriocarcinoma. So she ended up being delivered early, around 29 weeks, and then she had chemotherapy, okay? She couldn't breastfeed, but she had chemo afterwards and had a, a baby that was in the NICU. And that baby is now something like 10 years old, right? Older child now, and it's doing just fine. But those are very, very rare. But in terms of a confirmed pathology, molar pregnancy, and a normal baby, that's how you get it, okay? It had to be a twin pregnancy with normal chromosomes on one and the other was either an incomplete or a complete mole, one of the two, with either a whole side of the uterus being just this mass, this uncontrolled massive growth of trophoblast cells or placental cells, or there was this cystic-like placenta with a baby that was abnormal on one side and a normal baby on the other side, okay? Even selective reduction, because people are like, well, do you selectively re reduce this? Not really. I mean, you still have the trophoblastic tissue there that needs to be treated, so it's up to the patient whether they want a selective reduction. It's also up to the patient whether they wanted to continue the pregnancy, although most experts are going to recommend ending the pregnancy because we know you staying pregnant for, you know, however many weeks is going to put you at risk for gestational trophoblastic disease and can also put you at risk for choriocarcinoma beyond the pregnancy. But I've seen this happen, and that is why. It's because it's a twin pregnancy with one normal and one molar. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. I think that's all the cases we have for today. And my medical intern is shaking her head. Yes. So thanks so much for listening to the Pregnancy Pros podcast. I hope that you've learned more about molar pregnancies. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to share with your friends, rate and comment. And if you didn't, just don't do that. Okay. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Feel free to check out more on the YouTube channel for quick talks about pregnancy complications and the website for free downloadables, which is drnicoleplenty.com. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.
Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a Mean Old Lion Media production.